0: welcome to the feminine frequency podcast i'm your host amy from amy natalie co spiritual teacher mindset coach and speaker i'm here to remind you how to tap into your feminine frequency to elevate your relationships attract more money and feel confident in your body each week i'll be sharing wisdom from guest experts and guided meditations along with my favorite spiritual mindset techniques so that you can access abundance, love, and manifest a life that is in alignment with your soul's true desires. Let's do this, sister. Welcome back to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today and for being here with me for this very powerful conversation with my guest, Caitlin Parsons. And before we get into the interview, I wanted to let you know that you have access to five free guided meditations, which are part of my feminine frequency meditation bundle. And these are perfect for the topic for today because I have a meditation in there to help you build your confidence, to create a positive relationship with your body. And these are short, quick meditations that can help you to get back into alignment and feeling like your best self. If you would like to access these meditations, you can click on the link in the show notes or head on over to femfrequencybundle.com. I had so much fun recording these meditations for you, so make sure to check them out today. As I am recording this audio, I have been reflecting on a ceremony that I hosted for 24 Ladies this past weekend as part of my New Moon Collective community. And this particular gathering ceremony was focused on self-love. And I provided a space for a self-love activation where I brought women together to create a space for healing and connection. And this is one of my favorite things that I do. If you're curious about my events, you can always head on over to amynatalieco.com to see what I have coming up next. For this particular event, We started the evening with a guided meditation so that each woman could connect with her heart to let down some walls to relax and then we did some introspective exercises with some journaling and sharing specifically around the topic of self-love and what i loved most about this evening was that it was just so beautiful to see women at all different phases of their self-love journey opening their hearts to go deeper If you were to ask most women what their conversation in their head is like around food and their body, you'll find that it usually isn't a positive one. And this isn't stuff that you usually talk to your girlfriends about or share with your family. This is usually pretty hidden and secret for a lot of people because for some reason, everyone thinks that they're the only one that struggles with food, the only one who has body image uh, issues and, To be honest, this is something that the majority of women that I work with in my coaching have struggled with. So the reason why there is so much obsession around body image is that there's so much programming from the media, online, on social media. And as you've been growing up, there's been a lot of focus on how we think we should look and so much obsession around the physical body. And when I work with women through my spiritual mindset coaching programs, we really dive into this body, this work around food and body image. And we look at it through a spiritual lens. And Caitlin, our guest for today, is going to share more about how she works with clients as well. And she shared in this interview that most of the time, weight loss and eating disorders are not about the food. It's about the conversations in your mind about food and your body, and it's the negative self-talk around food and body that usually drives unhealthy behaviors to continue. And then it's also about the unhealed emotions that lead many women to use food for comfort and for control. So healing your relationship with your body, feeling comfortable in your own skin, and learning how to process emotions in a healthy way can really provide so much freedom for you, for your energy and time, and allow you to enjoy your life so much more. And Caitlin has such a beautiful personal story with her journey with an eating disorder, and now she supports other women in healing their relationship with food. So Caitlin is a certified holistic health coach. She's an intuitive eating expert and the founder of the female empowerment brand called Modern Girl Holistics. She helps ambitious women heal emotional eating and repair their relationship with food so that they can feel comfortable and confident in their body. Beyond coaching and speaking, Caitlin enjoys exploring the world with her husband, long beach walks, and chatting over multiple cups of tea with friends. I hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody. We have a guest here today, Caitlin, on the Feminine Frequency podcast. I am super grateful to have you here. Hey, Caitlin. Hi. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been amazing the last few months how quickly we've connected and how many things that we have going, both business-wise and personally, that are super aligned. And I'm looking forward to sharing your message around body and food and just being a real down-to-earth woman sharing (laughs) real stuff. So uh, we are going to have some fun today. And I'd love to start by asking you a fun question. How do you play in your life? I love this question. So one of my favorite things to do
1: is just take a walk by myself. I like to take walks with other people, but I usually will go out alone. I try to find a different path for a walk every time. It doesn't always work out that way, but I'll just put my phone on airplane mode and listen to a podcast. Um, And just, it's it's my moment in the day where I can really just like let go of everything, especially when I'm not on my phone at all. Um, and yeah, just kind of get a new perspective on things. And and then another thing that I do is my husband and I love just random road trips on the weekend where we just hop in the car and we don't really have an agenda. We might have a destination, but we don't necessarily have a list or how to get there. And we kind of just create an adventure around it. So those are my two favorite ways.
0: That sounds awesome. I love the spontaneity and the adventurous piece of that of just like getting up and moving and going to try something new. Totally. That's awesome that you guys do that together. Yeah, I'm lucky he likes to do it because I'm usually the one who's got the idea and then he helps execute it. So it's it works out. <laughs> yeah. What are what's like maybe an example of somewhere that you guys have gone that's been really fun or like a quick spontaneous trip that you guys have taken? Um
1: Okay, it's, have you been to Salvation Mountain?
0: In, no.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so cool. It's um, it's east of, it's east of San Diego, and it's. I'm totally gonna butcher where it is because we literally just like plugged it in the GPS, but it's really, really cool. It's basically this town in the middle of nowhere where a bunch bunch of artists have come in, and painted these mountains and infrastructures and a lot of artists from Burning Man have come in and made camps of all these different art installations and um, just like crazy things. It's in the desert, just nothing is around it. And so that was a super fun weekend trip because it's about three hours away, maybe three and a half. And we just got in the car, grabbed some coffee, some breakfast, went out there saw all of the art. We always listen to a fun podcast together. And then we stopped on the way back and did a hike and probably got Thai food. (laughs) (laughs) I love me some Thai food. Me too. (laughs) It's my favorite, especially on a Friday night. It's like our favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah. And you've mentioned podcasts twice. And I know that you have your own podcast coming out. And that was one of the things that inspired me to start this podcast is how much value I've gotten from other leaders in my industry and people who are really sharing their voices about real topics. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what your podcast is going to be about. Oh my gosh, I'm so
1: excited. Well, first of all, I feel so grateful to be on this podcast because I couldn't agree with you more. I think that it's such an amazing platform to connect, to learn, learn. Um, I feel like podcasts just have an advantage over a lot of other media platforms because it's like whispering in your ear what people are not necessarily comfortable sharing more publicly and it's really intimate and I started listening to podcasts um, my gosh, probably back in 2010, before they were like a thing. I don't even know how I found them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I was obsessed and I would always tell my friends like, oh, I heard on this podcast and they'd be like, what's a podcast? <laughs> and so needless to say, it's become a big part of my life. I've just, I feel like a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to, like the, the people, the hosts have become friends just because they're always in my ears. And so starting one is just such a, a dream come true in so many ways. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'm really excited. And um, the message for my podcast is really connecting with other women who are doing big things in the world. So really ambitious women who might have their own business or might just be leaders in their community or in the company that they work at. And we really explore their relationship with their body and food, and also just adulting in general. And I think one of the most fun things about having these interviews is just letting go of the expectation of where the conversation is going to go and allowing it to happen very organically. And it's been the, the loveliest surprise just where these conversations lead and what we end up talking about. And so I'm really excited to share. And you know, my heart and my soul is is really invested in this because I do think it's important to have conversations about these topics specifically, because a lot of times we do feel so alone with how we think about our our body or our relationship with food. And even if we are in a really close circle of girlfriends or family, we might not always feel super comfortable having that conversation. Um, So I'm, I'm really passionate about bringing that more to the forefront and letting people know, hey, it's okay to talk about this and we're all experiencing it in different ways. And the more we talk about it, the more we can really work together to Destigmatize a lot of the things that might not feel comfortable talking about. So,
0: yeah, I've talked earlier on a couple episodes about the power of dissolving shame around topics that every single woman navigates within her lifetime and instead of it being a secret that everyone is walking around on the inside it's when we dissolve the shame from that it actually allows us to heal and move through it and not hold on to it so um I would love to hear and share with the listeners more about your journey with your body and how that's tied into the work that you do today yeah it is a journey (laughs) that's for sure
1: um yeah so I it really, I, I guess I, I'll start with my first body awareness moment, which is the moment I always ask my guests to share. And, um, you know, my journey with my body has had a lot of different highs and lows and, and so many turning points. But, um, you know, I didn't really give much thought to the fact that my body meant anything in the culture that we lived in before middle school. And I hear this a lot with women that I talk to, but it is such a turning point in so many of our lives. Where, you know, I remember going into sixth grade and just thinking like, "Oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever!" And I'm going to get a locker, and I'm going to have a schedule, and there's going to be a bell, and all of these things. And um, I was such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> having <laughs> so fun, li- so much fun listening to this. <laughs> I was so into it. Um, and it's really, it's so funny. And it's also so sad because it was so innocent for me where I was just really excited about this time. And I, simultaneously, I was also shopping in the junior section for the first time and doing a lot of back to school shopping. And it was also a milestone. And it was a really cool experience. I remember going with my mom and being like, what are these sizes? Suddenly I'm not like a kid's whatever anymore. I'm a size that's like one number. Um, the, the size chart is just different, you know? And so I think most of us experience that, you know, with a lot of things, but especially when we do have something like sizing, you know, growing up, it's something that you just have to kind of learn. And I remember going through that experience and then, um, getting together with my best friends, my, my group of girlfriends and us all talking about going shopping with our moms and everything. And the topic of size came up and it was the first time where I realized, Oh, that's interesting. Like this kind of means something. I don't know why. And I'm also, I guess I'm a little bit bigger than their sizes, you know? And it wasn't, it was just the first time where I felt like, huh, this is interesting. I'm a little bit different. And from That point on, I just had so much awareness around my body. And I remember I was in gymnastics, I was on the swim team, I was in acting. So these were very like aesthetic sports and activities where it was very body focused. And so suddenly, you know, at that time in my life, it was there was no social media. So I remember you know, getting self magazine and being just entranced by all of like the diet articles and what celebrities were eating and, you know, even people magazine, like what, who's eating what and how, how so-and-so lost weight and just being so enamored by it. And um, I started restricting my food in middle school and was just manipulating my body, you know, in a really unhealthy way. And I was obsessed with models back then and you know it was it, it's so crazy and this still exists in, in so many other platforms but i remember like researching um on our computer like the first time i got a computer like the size charts of models you know like their measurements and things and then measuring my waist and things and i i know that's super vulnerable to share but that was the reality like that's what i was doing and i It's funny, my parents moved out of our childhood home a few years ago and I found all these journals where I had written down like my body measurements and weight and all these things. I was just very uh, obsessed with that. And so the restriction eventually led to um, the end of middle school when I uh, started dabbling into purging and became bulimic and... um, you know, that was another turning point in my relationship with my body and it was really scary and it was also like a hit of heroin. You know, I've never done drugs before, but um it was I've done I've done a lot of therapy and I've also heard a lot of people say that that, that uh initial purge after you binge is the same euphoric high as a lot of hard drugs. Um so it it. Definitely shaped my life in a lot of ways, and pretty much on and off from freshman year of high school going into college, um, you know i was I was going back and forth between restricting food and then just full blown bulimia, and then transitioning into college, that's when things really got sticky for me just because there's so much newness in, in that chapter as well too and you know the frustrating thing for me was I just I felt depressed I felt anxious I was binging and purging I wasn't sure what was driving which part of all of this it just kind of felt like this vicious cycle and something that I couldn't get out of and was just so disconnected from my body um and my food, you know, and I I just didn't really know how to work with my body in a way to even this out or, you know, feel peace at all. It just, it was really, really tumultuous. Um, And so moving out of college and into like my first jobs and everything, it was still kind of lingering um, here and there. And I eventually just, you know, I had done therapy on and off at that point, Um, but 26, I think, is when I just hit my rock bottom, and I said, this cannot go on anymore, like, this is just taking up my life, it was, I mean, I was completely just thinking about it all the time, thinking about food all the time, thinking about how my body looked, thinking about restricting, thinking about purging, think, you know, hiding food, secret eating. I always say to my clients and just the community of women that I support that there's not a lot that someone can tell me that I haven't tried myself. It was just a really dark place for a really long time. Um and so I I reached a point where I was just at my, my breaking point and I, I called my family and they had known at this point, I was struggling for a while and, um, did not You know, they weren't aware that I had slipped back into it just because I was really good at keeping it a secret. Um, and I called them up and told them what was going on. And from that point on, it was like go time. I, I knew that that was the last time I would ever binge and purge. And I got into, um, got in with a really great therapist and a you know really good support team and family and all of these things and that's that's kind of how it started and then from there you know well I can tell you a little bit more about how that changed my relationship with food and what I do now but that was that was kind of the foundation. It was really lonely for a long time um, and I also knew in this second round of healing and treatment that I had to change something. If I had done treatment two times before, I knew that I had to take matters into my own hands and really learn about my body in a different way. And so that was kind of a next chapter for me as well too.
0: Yeah. Thank you for letting us inside such an intimate experience that was a big part of your life for a long time. I mean, through from high school all the way through the end of college and lingering through there and lingering through when you were working. And some of the specific things that you shared about like the sizing chart are things that we just don't talk about in public. And I'm sure many women can relate to that. And The pressures that we have, they're unspoken pressures by society that women have on their bodies. So it's like you said, magazines, now social media. I mean, I don't even know what I would have done if I grew up in a time with social media as in high school and in middle school, I was already super hard on myself and already compared myself so much to other women, whether it was their through body or everything else that was going on, but I can just... I know how much it has amplified this conversation and how many women are suffering silently with this, with this disease. So with, let's say, someone who, whether they do have bulimia or whether they have an eating disorder or just have an unhealthy relationship with their body, what are some ways that they can start to really first bring awareness to that it's something that's harming them. And then second to ask out, ask for support. Cause I know that took a lot for you to make that phone call to your parents. Yeah. It, it, Amy, that's such a tricky question because
1: so often, especially now in this space where there are so many wellness trends that have normalized the unhealthy relationships that we have with our bodies and food. And it, it does become really tricky to take a step back and say, hey, is this is this serving me in any way? You know, one of the things that I think can be the the best way to just kind of begin to see if it's something that's um, that's worth addressing in your life in any way is just really get honest with yourself. How much of your day are you spending thinking about your body and about food I think that's the that's the best place to start because so much of the time we don't want to think about that and so much of the time we don't know that that's something worth giving thought to because it's just become such a part of our life where it it doesn't really we don't we aren't able to pay as much attention um, with more of an objective voice for that and so yeah, if you if you are spending most of your day looking on health blogs or Instagram accounts or tracking things, writing down things, you know, journaling out calories or macros or plugging in numbers or just, you know, where is the obsession coming in? And I know that might feel like a scary word for a lot of people because I will be very honest, when I was when I was in this, I didn't ever consider myself a dieter. I know that sounds crazy, but I never, I never thought that I was a dieter. I thought I was just a healthy eater. And I really flew under the radar for a really long time, you know, especially when I wasn't active with my bulimia, because that was a very clear like finger to point to like, oh yeah, clearly this is unhealthy and like a big secret. But in between those times, Um, it was really easy to just kind of show up and, and take on that role as like, oh yeah, she's just healthy and everything. And so, yeah, I, I guess just taking a, a step back and looking at how much of your life is consumed by this and how much are you thinking about it? And then your other question of the next step, how to actually do something about it, um, so many thoughts on this, but I, you know, one, one of the first things that comes to mind, because I know that reaching out and sharing with somebody can take a lot of guts, like a lot of guts. And that's why I want to let everybody who's listening know, like, Hey, this is something you struggle with. Like, please, like Amy's community, my community, like we're here to help and support you. There's no judgment. There's no shame. Like it's, it's full of women who are all in similar situations, and how we can really just support each other. So find a community that you feel connected to. That is one of the most powerful things about social media right now, and just the way that women are lifting each other up in general, even in person. Um, And secondly, I would say do a little detox in your life, or a little declutter, rather. You know, what podcasts can you let go of that are Perpetuating this obsession. What Instagram accounts can you stop following or mute that are triggering any type of obsession or comparison or just you know? I empower yourself. Do an audit for the material that you're consuming because that is one of the easiest ways that will get that will stay stuck in this negative thought process of just feeling obsessed and controlled by food and our body image all the time.
0: Yeah. And what you're speaking to right now is the subconscious programming. So a lot of this behavior, obsessing over food, thinking about food all the time is actually coming from a subconscious pattern that most people don't even know they're doing. And when I would ask my clients, when I was a nutritionist and eating psychology coach, I was asking, you know, That exact question is, how much of your day are you spending thinking about food in your body? And by the time women had come to me, and I'm sure when they come to you, it was about 85 to 90% of the time. And it was taking up so much mind space that it took away from them enjoying their life and feeling happy in their life because their mind was constantly in this negative self-doubt cycle. So I love what you just shared about what are you feeding your mind? How are you nourishing your mind and doing an audit and getting real with, okay, these things trigger me and they're triggering that same thought pattern over and over again. So let me take control over that and start there and start to rewire and reprogram that part of your brain. And I know a big part of your message is that it's not about the food and mm-hmm. that, it's, that the food isn't going to be the thing that solves the problem for most pe- women who are dieting and wanting to lose weight. Can you talk more about if it's not about the food, then what is it about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that and speaking to that because that's one thing that can feel so exciting when you start to give yourself permission to think about healing because it feels so lonely when you're in it. You just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm broken. This is the rest of my life. I just can't imagine not having this in my life anymore. But you do you have the the option to retrain your lower brain, which is exactly what you were mentioning, like just holding on to all of that information, your lower brain and your higher brain are two different things. And the lower brain is really responsible for a lot of these behaviors and habits that are perpetuating the diet mentality and the body shaming and whatnot. Um, So it is possible. And I always like to tell people that like, it's, you're not broken. This is, there is a path for this. Um, but in terms of not being about the food, that is, that was probably my biggest light bulb moment. Um, and because for my entire life, it had been about the food, you know, I, and for so many of us, it, it is, you know, we, we are living in this society where, it's all we see. It's all we know, whether that's on an app, whether that's, uh, an account we're following, a book we're reading, like how many diet books come out every single new year at the beginning of the year. Right. And it, it just is so hard to distinguish it not being about the food, but it really is so much more than that. And that was the thing that really changed my relationship. And my healing point as well, where I really took a step back and, and realized, okay, there's a lot of emotional areas that I need to give some attention to. And using food to cope had just become such a normal part of my life that I never really thought that there was an alternative to that. And also, nobody really teaches you how to express what you need and how to actually audit your own thoughts of what you need during the day. And especially as really driven women, which I know a lot of the women listening to this podcast are, if you've never been taught that and you just roll into a career where it's so go, 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 go all the time or a lifestyle, which is a lot of us, when when are you ever going to feel like you have the opportunity to learn that it's not your fault it's not your fault and we just aren't really sh- having that conversation as much as we should be in society but yeah when you can really start to learn how to work with your emotions and retrain your brain like we were saying before and also just simple cues to understand okay what do i need right now what's the emotion that i'm feeling and what do I need to actually satisfy that emotion? That's not food, because that's not to say that food can't support that in some way. But if we're only using food as the coping tool, then that's where we constantly feel like we're in this vicious cycle and food kind of becomes the enemy.
0: Mm. Yeah, food is such an easy coping mechanism because it's all around us. And I want to talk about what you shared before about using dieting or using healthy eating as a cover-up for dieting. And most people don't even know that they're doing it. So I call it like pseudo dieting where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, but I'm just eating healthy, but really there's still a lot of restriction. There's unhealthy patterns with food, not nourishing your body in the way that feels satisfying and gives you energy and makes you feel alive. And this piece around Numbing out with food and not coping with emotions is exactly like you said. It's because we're not taught to uh, process our emotions. So, a lot of times, um, emotional eating is actually from the root of suppressing emotions. And it, it's this if you think about it, even the energy of it is like consuming a ton of food and stuffing it down. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing as trying to just like cover up the emotions that you don't want to feel. And it makes sense that when we're taught that feeling emotions is either you're too sensitive, I was told that a lot, or you, um, you know, your your yeah. When you when you're not really supported in your emotions as a child, this happens when we're really young. Then we don't feel comfortable or safe sharing our emotions. We feel like there's something wrong with experiencing emotions, so we just stuff them down. And that's where, like you mentioned, food can come in as a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many variables. And
1: you know, one of the things that I always like to mention as well too is this sometimes can feel a little sticky when you start to sort through a lot of this information. And it's very easy to, to start to blame like, Oh, my childhood and all these things. But if we can look at this from a more compassionate lens of, you know, we all grow up in an environment where for the most part, our families are just doing the best that they can. You know, it, it's, almost always out of love, and there is no such thing as perfection. And so this is really an opportunity to not necessarily place blame on anything in your life, but rather like look at it like you're a detective in your life, and what are some things that you might need to unlearn or relearn and begin strengthening that compassionate voice for yourself for where that trajectory of where you are you know, growing up and everything versus where you are right now too.
0: Yeah. I love that distinction of not getting attached to the story from the past or blaming it on the story in the past. And I think that's sometimes where people get stuck with therapy. And I love psychotherapy. It's been super powerful in my life. And sometimes people get stuck around the story of their past instead of using that information and using it to then make different choices or or just being aware when you have these patterns coming up that are related to something in the past and then choosing differently. And yeah. I think that's a huge distinction of not getting stuck in the past because you're still not in a responsibility mode, you're still in somewhat of a victim mode to your past. and everyone has a past. Everyone has pain. Mm -hmm. It looks different for everyone and it's relative to each person. But it it is true that if you get stuck in the past or start blaming, oh, when I was younger or my my family and get attached to that, that it keeps you stuck instead of allowing you to move forward. Yeah. I love that term victim mode
1: because if we allow it, it's so easy to fall into that. Um, But especially as ambitious driven women, we just, We don't have time to stay in that victim mode. You know, there are so many other things to focus on in life when we can get out of that and really just start doing the work to heal so that we can show up in our lives in the way that we're meant to.
0: Yeah. And I love that you just shared that because intuitively you picked up on what I was going to ask next is what's available for a woman on the other side where she no longer thinks about food 85% of the time. And I really, you can speak to this maybe from your personal experience and what you've seen with your clients, because you've been on the end of the spectrum where this controlled a lot of your life and you're in a space of not only being healed yourself and still on your healing journey, but now teaching other women how to do that. So What is available on the other side of that? What does life look like without being held back and being consumed by food and your body? Yeah, um, so I want to
1: speak to this on a very basic level, but also on an aspirational level too, because I, I do think that your life has the potential to really just take off. And I do see it all the time with clients when you let go of the obsession and you disempower food and instead learn how to work with your body rather than against it, It it's like an entirely different way of looking at the world. And suddenly you have all of this mental space to allow yourself to think about the things that you want to do. You can dream really big. You actually have shifted your energy to invite people into your life that you may not have thought would even make sense at different parts in your life. But I, I see it all the time, you know, clients start dating all the, or they'll get engaged or have a baby or we'll get a new job. I see all the time. It, I always joke around with my clients normally towards the end of our time together, like around the, you know, halfway point to end of our, our coaching time together almost always someone's getting a promotion or they're starting a side business or something's just shifted in their career in some way. Um, It's really, really cool to see just the possibilities there. And, you know, on a, on a day-to-day level, just feeling less anxious, you know, feeling less stressed, feeling like you have more time to ask yourself what you want and what you need and being content in different ways, you know, whether that's reading a book or having a conversation and being fully present with the other person, whether that's being by yourself and trusting being by yourself. I, for me, that was that was huge because I did have so much secret eating, even when I lived by myself. Um, you know, for three years, it it was whether it was in my apartment or in my car or walking on the street because I lived in Philadelphia for so long and I would just hide food in my purse and kind of like binge on the sidewalk. I had so little trust in myself and my body that even just the smallest minutes in the day, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like at any point I was going to binge or I was just constantly living this double life because I was also really good at hiding it too. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it allowed me to actually just see the world for the first time when I was able to heal this. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I can say so much more about it, but yeah, it really is. um, I know when you're in it for anybody who is listening to this, who is struggling with it, it feels like you'll never get there, but that's why I started my business because (laughs) you'll get there. You just have to be willing to put your trust in yourself and then um, ask for help too. That's a big part of it. Like if I didn't raise my hand and ask for help, I don't think
0: I would be here. Hmm, That's something that I know so many women have such a hard time doing and it's because biologically, intuitively, as women, we are nurturers, we are caretakers, we are taking care of others, and there's a shame or a guilt around, and an embarrassment around not being independent or needing someone else, and I think asking for support is not about, I think if you can look at it as not about needing someone else, and more of working with a team and allowing support is a huge piece of the healing puzzle uh, whether it's with food or with alcohol or with drugs or whatever you're experiencing is having that support group is so powerful because then it doesn't live in shame and secrecy anymore
1: yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more and i i i think that especially for food um it's hard to ask for help especially I know the women that I support, it's really, really hard. And we have similar communities. You and I, we've talked about this before, but as strong women who are traditionally leaders, like the type of women that I, I work with, they are showing up in a really big way in their spaces most of the time. And so there is a lot of shame when you ask for help around food because it seems like something that you should be able to figure out because there is so much free information out there, which I also think is kind of the problem. Um, and it's also it just seems like such a basic concept, you know, it's almost like, well, I don't need a breathing coach, you know, which maybe you do. <laughs>
0: There's amazing
1: breathwork coaches, but do you know what I mean? Food, food is just so such an integral part of life that there is so much shame in thinking like, why do I need somebody to help me figure this out? But when you can let go of that and realize that it's really not about the food, there are if you're working with a coach who understands that or a therapist who understands that, or a team who who really gets that component, that's when the dieting stops. That's when you do heal this and you know, and take that big step forward and can let go of the stigma around that. Because again, the more we have conversations like this, the more we destigmatize this being like an issue and pretend that we're not all struggling with it in some way and that's when the world can change I really feel like we all have to eat and we all are going through different changes in our body at so many different parts in life
0: yeah I think that what you said earlier what's available on the other side of it the word that comes to mind for me is freedom Mm -hmm. and freedom to live your best life, freedom to be happy, freedom to have the energy and the time and the resources to choose a life that you love instead of being almost a prisoner or being trapped in this this loop that's happening in in your mind. So um, you shared so many great gems today. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with my community. I'd love for you to share where they can find you. I think you have a Facebook group and other places that they can find you.
1: Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for having me. This is really just been such a great conversation and I appreciate you allowing me to have an opportunity to just share this message. Um, If anybody wants to connect, my website's CaitlinParsons.com. My Instagram is Caitlin Parsons. And then on Facebook, I have a free Facebook group called Modern Girl Holistic, Stop Your Food Cravings Without a Diet. My general brand is called Modern Girl Holistic. So um, yeah, come and say hello. But the best way is Instagram. Just reach out and send me a private message.
0: Yeah, and if anything on this episode resonated with you that Caitlin shared, please send her a message, send me a message. I really value this podcast space as an opportunity for connection and not just for a conversation between myself and my guests, but really starting and continuing these conversations far after the podcast goes live because that's where the healing and the magic lies. So um, I'm going to list all of those links for Caitlin for you to continue connecting with her in the show notes. And again, thanks so much for being here, Caitlin. Thanks Amy. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate the work that you're doing in the world and the, the journey that you've been on turning your pain
1: into purpose. Same girl. I feel the same about you. And it's just really, really amazing being in a space where we can, hold hands in so many ways and really just help empower the women that we get to serve.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining me for this episode today of the Feminine Frequency Podcast. If you have any comments, takeaways, questions from this episode, I would love to hear from you. You can send me a DM on Instagram at Co, and I will respond to you personally. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes to leave a five-star rating and a review. If you are a regular listener and you haven't left a review yet, I really would love for you to leave a review because this allows more women like you to Get access to this information and support them in connecting to their intuition, healing their relationship with food and their body, and to access this feminine frequency in their life. And when you subscribe to this podcast, you'll get notified every time a new episode is available. How cool is that? All right. Have an amazing week. We'll see you soon.